to the Cultivate and Keep podcast, politics part two of two. Two of two. And if you've made it this far, thank you and congrats. Thank you. It's impressive. And as of recording, well, we're, we're, we're recording this about two weeks in advance, but today is election day. So mm. go vote. And that's the reason go why vote. we're putting out the, go vote. the uh, political series here just in time. Um, but go vote today. It's important. Your vote matters. Everyone's vote matters. Part of democracy. And um, no matter where you swing, you should go vote. Well, on that note, what should they vote on? <laughs> I was thinking about marriage, and that's a, that's a big one. So what do you think? Good question. Smooth segue. If you missed last week, too, basically, we... Uh, <laughs> Just hit like 10 topics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we started the conversation. We went over a couple of the issues, um, but we're going to continue that. So... Last week, I can't remember all the ones that we covered, but this week we have more new issues. And the thought here just being, what should you know going into researching who you should vote for? And you should research everyone that you vote for. You shouldn't just assume based on which political party or endorsement that they happen to have. The first one being marriage, like you said. Um, now, is marriage a uh, political issue? Um, I think so. And actually, I'm curious what your take is on this, but it's it's not under fire like it was maybe uh you know years ago with same-sex marriage and some of the laws around there around that and sort of the implications for states versus federal government and such and such but actually the thing i wanted to talk more about um, was actually marriage in the context of the family and what that does to uh sort of society and to economy uh, the economy as a whole now doing some research through um, heritage.org they pulled up some really interesting stats that I wanted to pull up, which which was just that when it comes to fighting poverty, which again is something that both sides can agree on, like we both want to minimize and reduce poverty as much as possible. There's no better weapon than marriage, uh, and marriage actually reduces the probability of child poverty by 80%. Um, now, it's not rocket science. You can figure out why. It's because uh, there's double income, right? There's a more stable household. The likely, you know, there's a correlation between couples being married and having sort of stronger careers or higher income, um, but also it, it literally just makes more financial economic sense. Like, I don't know how people raise kids uh, alone, alone yeah. when they're single. That is a huge task, and hats off to you if you're doing that or if you have done that, because I could not imagine. Um, yeah, I, I didn't know it was um, like that drastic of a percentage. That makes sense, though. Like. Um, like you said, double the income, you know, double, double the structure, like of just support and whatnot. So yeah, that makes sense. I mean, think about it too, like, <coughs> so if you're married and, uh, and, y- and you have a kid and let's just, you know, you, you're both working parents, then, well, maybe probably half of someone's income would go to childcare possibly. And maybe, you know, a parent or another friend, uh, or some sort of group, you know, can take the kid for that time. Um, if you're single and you're, uh, and you have a kid, then you have to either get sort of the other parent to pay some of it or you have to pay some of it and then half of your paycheck is gone and then you're also, yeah. you know, both parents are paying for rent and all their other expenses together. Um, so it just, I mean, it does make a lot of sense. But so what what can and should be done? Um, and this is what I want to get your take on because I actually don't know very much on this. So I'm not sure if you know any more, but one way that the government can actually help this and sort of incentivize uh, marriage so that to lift people out of poverty and to reduce the likelihood of child poverty is by eliminating the marriage penalty within the tax code. So there's a part in the tax code where two people are taxed more if they're married than if they're single. Um, and I don't know how you guys normally file. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe we actually filed as joint married last year. Yeah, we did too. Well, I was going to say I was under the impression that uh, like I was receiving a tax break for being married. Um, because I mean, just for the fact of like, I paid way less taxes when we got married versus being single. So, hmm. um, is it different by every, every bracket though? Like that penalty? Is it, I think it, I think it does, but I, I'm also fairly certain, um, that being married, but filing single usually makes more sense, sense tax wise. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, we should have looked that up beforehand, but um, no, no, we like this is nice and raw. It's good. Right. Authentic. I, d- I do know that there is part of the tax code where basically uh, people are n- usually not incentivized to. 
But uh, so you're you're saying that with dependence. One actually, I think that's the big part. Okay. Because if you're single, then you can claim your kid, your your dependence for each one. Whereas if you're married, it's sort of like. So if you don't have dependence, you're saying it's better to be uh, to file married jointly or no. I'm not a tax professional, but I think that's the case. That's what you're saying. Yeah. If you have kids and you then file you do it separate, then you sort of get like depend, okay. double the, the, the bonus there. So you're advocating to, they should drop that penalty to where that if you are married, then you get a greater tax break. Yeah. I mean, I think so. But my like rebuttal is, wouldn't that kind of be like, you know, like in the military, if you're married, then you get, you know, just, it's just a lot different for, you know, your pay and uh, you get like, housing and all that stuff. Um, there's a lot of people, guess what? They meet someone and get married just for the yeah. like financial benefit. So, yeah. um, I feel like this would be the same thing. People just getting married for the, I mean, it may not be like that way across the board, but I feel like there would be people that are taking advantage of just taxes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's significant. You know, I mean, I don't know if, um, if it would necessarily increase, like how many of those people are actually out there doing that? Like for the military, I'm pretty sure it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, yeah. I I know, I know people that um like are married on paper <laughs> but not together, just living for the money. Yeah, like I know a few people. Basically, like a green card marriage, where it's basically yeah, sort of a same just idea. A, a selfish interest. Like there is no, you're just using. It's like marriage. working the system. Yeah, I yeah I don't know. That that's a good point. Um, I don't have really any answer for that, but I, I do think it's lame that there is sort of a penalty for. Mm being married within the tax code, you know, like regardless of so we're the abuse, you know, maybe there's some sort of other things you can kind of loop in there or other policies that reduce the abuse, reduce the abuse. I should start the, uh, the, the, whatever it is that gets laws into effect. But anyways, yeah, I don't know. Um, the other one, and I think that's actually the bigger one is government assistance. Uh, government assistance programs should provide temporary help to families in need not welfare that spans generations. Um, and I think for a long time, you know, these programs have basically encouraged single parent families um, to, you know, that basically uh, incentivize people to not get married mm-hmm. um, by enabling someone to get welfare if they are single, essentially. Um, which again, I understand, but it also creates the wrong incentives if for people to not get married or to, uh, you know, basically feel like it's okay to just, I don't know, knock someone up and leave. Like mm-hmm. that's a kind of an extreme example, but, uh, but that stuff, that stuff happens. Yeah. My, um, excuse me. Uh, my mom, my mom has four sisters and I want to say like three of them have been on welfare for like, as long as like, as long as I can remember, like years and years. Wow. Um, and if you look at like their life and just like, kind of where they are today from when I knew, th- you know, the last 15, 20 years, like, um, the fruit of their life is like lacking, you know, they just haven't gone anywhere and kind of have been in like a similar like rut, it seems like. And so we know like the goal of, of assistant programs are to like, uh, to kind of what propel forward and to help and to like launch into something different. I think like we're saying the, the generational, like with, you know, without end, like it, it enables and doesn't end that. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm all for certain types of aid and welfare, but not for like the temporary. Yeah, yeah, like incentivizing the wrong kind of behavior and um, enabling abuse. Essentially, you know, being on welfare for 30 years is mm-hmm. not helping anyone, not even themselves. Um, the next topic, next issue. All right, we're gonna go head to head on this one. Woof. So let's do it. Okay, let's get it. Gun control. Um, <laughs> and this one Corey. is this You're one is so always stupid. always on the ballot, um, and. This actually, I don't, again, I haven't heard very much about this between sort of Trump and, and Biden, which, again, I don't like that it's sort of between the, those two. There are other candidates, but uh, with the current system, it's pretty much those two are the, the main ones, right? Um, here's my take. Okay, I don't give really. Give it to me straight. Okay, I'll give it to you straight. I don't understand why people would want an automatic assault rifle or basically like a military grade weapon, if that makes sense, like that you would use in combat. Uh, I think it's the equivalent of having a grenade or a, or a rocket launcher or a tank. It's like, have you played call of duty? <laughs> I know it's not have exactly the COD? same, but it's like, it. there's a difference. Okay. But if you're playing COD, uh, would you feel safe or would you feel like 
you were more dangerous with an automatic assault weapon or with a oh, handgun or a single bolt rifle. What do you think, Corey? The assault rifle, right? Duh. Okay. Okay. So hear me out. Okay, okay. Hear me out. All right. I'm all for handguns. I'm all for shotguns. I'm all for hunting rifles. Um, and I also understand that the definition of assault rifle can change and that can be a slippery slope. Um, but I feel like we're a bit lax with our gun laws and that there is room for compromise. Um, I don't. The Have you tried to get a weapon like to go no, apply and buy one? No. Okay. So why do you say we're la- Do you just mean it can, like specifically California or just like in general in the United States? I just mean in general in okay. the United States. Um, Meaning it's relaxed on like what is out there, like what people can get access to. Yeah. I think that uh, with what types of weapons are currently available as well as who can get those weapons. Um, I also understand that it's much more of a state sort of issue with the specific sort of mandates around who can get it and what uh, guns are available. But um, for example, I mean, I think one of the last sort of shootings I saw was from a kid who just turned 18 and who was uh, known for having a mental illness and still passed a background check and bought an automatic assault rifle. And I was like, okay, <laughs> red flag. That's a little bit scary. Mm-hmm. Like, should that really be, um, you know, how many other people out there could do that basically? Um, so I feel like it's more of a, safety issue than it is like a freedom issue um or like a patriot patriotic kind of issue um i'm just for moderation Mm -hmm. i guess we did a gun control episode right about a year ago Mm -hmm. i feel like my like i think if i remember correctly my like stance was basically kind of feeling like eh, like i don't really have a dog in this fight like i I, you know i didn't have much of of an opinion i've kind of changed like I, i i wonder if it was i think when we like got our own home and like now have our own place and uh, that we own and people like rent rooms from us now. Like I think Hmm. that definitely changed my stance on like just being able to like, um, like uh, secure my, my home and to protect it. So, um, I'm of the stance of like less government regulation. I think you are too in most scenarios. Um, so I, to me that applies to weapons too. I feel like the people that really want the dangerous type of types of weapons will get them, whether there are restrictions or restrictions or no, no restrictions. Like they're going to be out there and I think people will find a way to get them. And so when I say people, I think people that are going to use them for the wrong reasons. And so I think like, uh, you know, we have a constitutional right to have weapons and to bear arms. So I, I don't think the government should be able to dictate what kind of weapons, um, the mm-hmm. situation with the was like mentally ill person that got a hold of the gun. You know, I don't know. I mean, I, you have a good point of, you know, the background check missed something. S- sounds like it did. But um, depending on how like aware that person was, I'm sure they could have found a way to get a weapon if they wanted to. If it, if it was, if, they, if there were tighter restrictions, you know. So, um, I don't know. I, I'm of the mindset of less government restriction. So. Mm. I, I hear you though. I get it. Like, it makes sense. I'm not like you're an idiot. Like I think at first I said that, but I I get why. I, it makes sense to me. But I just I personally like in every box that I can. I want to limit like government outreach, overreach. So, so given today's current laws and regulation, quote unquote, you would be in favor of there being less regulation. Well, part of why I asked if you try to get a weapon. So I just got a, a Glock 19. And uh, it took me almost just over two and a half months to get. That's how long it took me to get. Mm, that's a long time. Incredible. Um, for multiple reasons, more than just the background check. But um, I, this was, I bought it like when things were getting crazy. So mm. I think they ran out. I had to order it and then didn't have ammo and whatever, all this stuff. But still, I mean, the you have to have like, I think it was two primary forms of residency. And I just moved. I didn't have that. And so I had, mm. like, I literally, I had literally just moved. It had been, like, a week. And so I didn't have, like, what I needed. I didn't have, like, that. And, but, so the the forms you have to use are, like, very strict. It's, like, it's only like, two or three types of forms. And so basically I had to wait, like, another three weeks to get the exact form I needed. So that took up time. And then, mm. then once I got it, then you have to go back. And then you get the forms. Then you have to do, uh, make the payment, pick out your gun. Then you have to wait 10 days for your background check. It just, like, takes forever. 
Uh, then they were out of guns. I had to order one, so that took like another month. It was it was crazy, and so it was like a lot of regulation, a lot of like it was quite the hoop, you know. Uh, when I was there, each like, I had to go to the store f- uh, four separate trips, <laughs> and uh, every trip I was there, I saw someone like get denied because I mean, they're very yeah. like, I mean, they kind of not inspect you, but they're like aware of the type of person you are and in California how you look. They are. Well, that's kind of what I was asking. If you yeah. try to get, I, I think again when I try to get a gun, my whole mindset kind of changed a bit on like the whole gun thing. I was like, oh mm-hmm. wow, this is crazy. Like it's not easy. Um, but I don't think that's representative of. All over the U.S. Oh, absolutely not. We're in one of the more liberal states, so. Yeah. So let, let me pose a, a scenario. Yeah, go for it, dude. Good luck. Okay. If <laughs> Good luck to you on this one. If you're in favor of less government regulation and more freedom, quote unquote, um, how would you feel about uh, an illegal alien or illegal immigrant, maybe who had a criminal background or record, being able to purchase a gun here in the United States? I mean, like I said in the beginning, I feel like whether they are legally able to or not, they will find a way to get a hold of those weapons. That's how I, I think that is very true. Um, I think with most things, right? Like before like pot was legal here, right? I mean, you could still, you could still get it. And people, you know, it was, you could smell it when you're driving. It was, it was around people, people would find a way. Hmm. I think weapons, um, I'm not, I'm not like in that scene. I don't really know, but my like, natural like i know humans will naturally like get what they want to get and so um i just feel like if i like a a good citizen that i'm not going to cause harm like if i can't get a an automatic rifle if i want to um but that's a problem you know how do i defend myself if there are illegals or people that want to cause harm that can like how do i protect my home how do i protect my property like with a little pistol like no like i i want to be able to and, I, and i'm saying this from like i'm not like a big gun person like i, I have one little gun i just right. got it i've never even shot it yet like i'm not like big on weapons you know but like i don't want to be told that i can't get one if i want to you know hmm. and so to answer your question i wouldn't feel good about that obviously no but i i just feel like whether it's legal or not legal like they're going to find a way that's what i, I think is true and I, i'm curious what you how you respond to that hmm. but i feel like that is like a safe thing to say and so if that is true, then I should be able to, too. I don't. I, I, I definitely agree with. I understand the argument. I don't think that it's true. real, though. Like um, you don't actually. Why? I don't think. Um, well, one, I think that drugs and guns are very different because um, one is essentially like a cultural fad and it's sort of a form of entertainment. The other is a weapon that can take someone's life. Okay, so I, it would be a lot more serious to I, illegally trade and sell. And So I know someone from a past job who was previously like gang affiliated when he was 18. Um, and he's not anymore. He has a couple kids. He's married. He settled down. He currently has two automatic rifles, a, um, a, a police shotgun that he, he stole out of a police vehicle, <laughs> and he has two hand grenades. I don't know where he got those, and there none of them are registered, none of them are illegal. He right. just got them yeah. from like his friends, and he and most of them he's most most of those weapons he's gotten have been the last couple of years just out of, out of like a hobby, and my point is like they're they're out there. They're not. I don't. Oh, for sure. I don't think they're hard to get. I, I, I'm not. I don't know. But based off of that, like this guy, he's like a nice dude, right? He just he likes guns, so he just gets them. And so yeah, my point is, uh, it's out there. I think it's easy easier to get than you may think. I, th- I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'm speaking from ignorance, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I got you, but I think I pwned you on this one just to be just to be clear. But really, like, I don't know. I'm just kidding. Here's my thing. I think which uh, which one would do more harm? Allowing anyone and everyone to get whichever gun they want, or facing the risk of a certain group of shady characters to get a more dangerous weapon. It feels like the lesser evil in, in my in my eyes. Yeah, I mean... Like, if I had to pick between those two worlds, or let's just say those two states, and I was moving, I would probably pick the one where I knew that there was more sort of protection. I, just, I think that... Um I think that someone who like wants to, who, who says I'm going to go cause damage, like I'm going to 
go take a public place and and like kill people i think those people will will find a way they will find a way and so whether it's the local gun store or whether it's from homie hookup or whatever it is like they're going to get that weapon Hmm. and you know you hear of scenarios where like you know people who are carrying concealed carries or whatever it is like protect you know situations like I, i think that happens more often than we hear about and so I don't know. I I would. I think I would roll the dice on that one. I feel like it makes sense to me to make it accessible to like the general public. Okay, but that's my twenty-five year old opinion. So yeah, I'll, I'll just one more one more point, and then we yeah, can dude. move on. Uh, is let's just say because uh, I want to bring up the the defense argument. Do you? I'm curious why you bought the a Glock 19 and not another weapon like a shotgun, a rifle, or some sort of I don't think you, you can even buy automatic weapons in California, can you? Yeah, you can. But they, can't, they have to be like semi-automatic, yeah. Okay. Like, quote-unquote, yeah, semi-automatic. Yeah, you yeah. Go, to, go to your home okay. down the street, you know. So why why Glock 19? Uh, looked bad, eh? Okay. One. <laughs> um, I wanted, I think, if I remember correctly, the Glock 19 is like the medium-sized one, so they have like different mm-hmm. sizes. Um, and I wanted one, so I want to get my concealed carry. I plan to. Um, and I wanted a weapon that I could use for both. So the, okay. the Glock 19, if I remember correctly, is like the like the smaller side of like the scale, and so you can easily conceal it and carry it. Um, and then yeah, that's what I wanted. Um, people advise to get a shotgun because y- you're more likely to hit someone. I think is what they said. But mm-hmm. I want a handgun, so what I wanted. So okay, that's my reason. Did you consider uh, AR-15? Um, I bought it not out of like a hobby. I bought it because like. I wa- it was getting crazy and like one like one of the like uh, fires and all that was like a mile and a half from my house so I was like okay hey, you know I need to protect myself so um, that's kind of why and at the time uh, money was really tight so I just got like less expensive option basically mm, but gotcha. and for that could serve like, t- serve two two purposes so yeah. but I plan and intend to get more more weapons so okay. Cool. And again, I'm not a gun person. Like I, I haven't even shot my gun yet. I've had yeah. it like five months. Totally. I'm just, like, I don't, I don't really care about guns. But I just, I simply want to be able to protect myself. And um, if things continue to get like more and more strict, which they probably will, like I want to be ahead of the curve, you know. So totally. And I think that we should have guns. To be clear, I'm, I'm for gun ownership. Just with moderation. With moderation. Um, okay. Moving on. Good luck on the next topic, Corey. <laughs> Gender and sexual orientation. Um, page in this one. Now, yeah, I don't know, again, how much you have to touch on it. I feel like it's actually pretty black and white on this one. I'm not going to argue with you on anything on here. Uh, I feel like your sexual orientation or preference, which, by the way, is not an offensive term. I don't know if you followed that at all. But sexual orientation or preference does not define who you are, and therefore the government should not sponsor any sort of gender change or drugs or encourage or incentivize mm-hmm. behavior, um, pay for surgeries, et cetera. I don't know. I don't know what the issue is here, to be honest. I, it's yeah, something I, related to, and I'm going to be very ignorant here, but you know, trans rights, uh, sexual preference rights. Yeah. Possibly, it's it's related to like they're like, being able to choose and have just the, the freedom to, um, to be who you are and, and, yeah what you are so there oh I, I do know that there's one other application here which is education and with kids uh in sort of encouraging kids to explore or def- define for themselves mm-hmm. uh and i am in no way okay with the government telling kids that they can yeah. choose whichever gender they want to be and or species um, I don't even know how that's questioned, but yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, we we're 25, so we were born in 95, and someone who works for me was born in I think 2003, I want to say, and uh, it, it's weird like talking with them and like hearing them. Mm. Um, I don't know, just like that. What is the eight years uh, younger than I am? And like a lot of the ways like this person thinks and and talks and just like beliefs is a lot different. A lot of it's because of just times he kind of grew up in with social right. media and access to you know news, whatever it is. And 
And I, I think about like from that to uh, from that side of things to even um, Dwayne Wade. I've been a big fan of him for a long time. Yep. And his daughter Zaya. Do you know the name? Um, that sounds right. Zion. Yeah. Zion. It, it was Zion. Now it's Zaya. I believe. Okay. Um, yep. Uh, yeah. So he was a boy, and now he's a girl, and it's like celebrated, and it's a big, big, big deal. Yeah. And everyone in that community is like is stand up and whatever. So it's it's weird. Like I, it's different from us and. I, what so I think the Dwayne Wade situation of basically his kid being able to choose and then a parent that stands up to that or stands up with that and, and supports that like that's what this movement is about is like mm. the right the choice and to be who you are and so that's what it's about yeah but we're, we are not in alignment with that to a certain degree I understand because pretty much I mean, well, it kind of goes back to the abortion thing I brought up last episode. Remember how I was kind of like, I, I c- could see how someone could argue this. Like, I, I saw the perspective. Sounds like you're kind of on the same lines of with this. And I, I see it too, I guess. But I think this is this is more objectively wrong, I think. I see it in the sense that uh, all these issues are a case of freedom and who gets freedom and what degree of freedom there is. Um the issue that I have is that it's um, it's freedom that is harmful in the long term because kids are kids. They don't know what they want. And it's not that we're, we're telling them. It's just that we are not interfering or we're not sort of trying to bias them in one way or another. Um, I know of someone who uh, they had a kid and it, um, their boy from like a really young age, they sort of, you know, were very open and public about like how they are going to let him choose if he wants to be a boy or girl, like to call him it. And like, they didn't like assign him a gender yet, or even like they gave him like a very gender neutral name. And now that the boy is three, but he's very feminine. Like he, or quote unquote feminine, like he, he likes dolls and he wears a tutu sometimes. And, uh, but it it almost feels like like he didn't really choose anything. Like it was just one day he was like, "Oh, mommy, can I put on a dress?" And then she was like, "Oh, he's gay." Like, "Oh, he's you know, this is sort of the life that he's choosing." It's like he doesn't know. Like, so it's al- almost like the parents chose for him. Um, so I feel like it's it's premature. If you're if you're an adult, like, and that's who you are, and that's what you want to do, like. I don't think that it should like lynch you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's, that's crazy. Of course not. Um, it's, it's a sin and we shouldn't outlaw uh, sin, but if it's harmful to someone, which these surgeries, these um, reassignments, these drugs, like I think it's more of a health issue than anything and just very unnecessary. Like I don't understand why it has to be a thing. I don't, I think that the system we have uh, either, either side quote unquote could argue that, things are perfectly fine. Like there's nothing hindering someone from being able to choose necessarily. But you don't think that like kids should be able to choose, right? No. Okay. I mean, and, and no, and, and it shouldn't be encouraged and within a public it, school. It, it is. Yeah. From the, the government should not have a part in this issue. Um, I think it's very much a cultural and a spiritual issue than it is a, a government issue. Yeah. Okay. Decriminalizing drugs. Um, now, this one again. I'm curious what your what your thoughts are. Uh, I can see both sides because one, you know, there's alcohol, which is essentially a drug. There's also tobacco. Um, now, tobacco has really been sort of stigmatized, uh, even like you know, cigarettes and nic- nicotine. Like, it's gone way down, sort of in popularity and being encouraged. Um, alcohol is still very much sort of a cultural staple um and so you know i i I sort of hear people when they talk about things like marijuana which is probably on the uh one end of the spectrum of being sort of more moderate or mild i guess compared to sort of heavy drugs you know heroin coke and meth and stuff like that i'm not really sure about it because i feel like there's a lot of like unknowns and that kind of scares me but i don't know how you feel yeah i mean i don't know a whole lot about like I don't, I don't have experience with you know drugs and usage and so it's funny hearing my wife Connie she grew up not a Christian and 
um, like dabbled a lot in drugs and knows a lot about them. And so it's funny like hearing her like talk about like her experience and kind of like how like that affected her growing up. And so I don't feel like super strongly in other in in, in these in this area, but I would say that um like before knowing connie like my perspective was like no drugs they're all bad and now it's a bit more like i i understand other perspectives i guess because hearing her uh, take on it so yeah um well and to be clear too i don't i don't think it's a matter of like the morality of drugs it's just like whether or not they're lawful you mm-hmm. know what i mean like a lot of them are i think we all know that they're harmful like they're not really gonna do anything good for mm-hmm. you but should the government be involved right and so this goes back to uh, the level of freedoms people should have a level of government involvement. Um, and this is one of those things maybe where sides might be flipped where, you know, uh, one side would say government should not be involved. We should decriminalize. And the other side, you know, say we should outlaw it. The government should have a stand in this. Um, the, the, the one thing that's sort of top of mind for me, again, I don't have a stance here, but the one thing that's top of mind is, um, I know that a lot of, like imprisonment and um, like putting something on someone's record and essentially like uh, I'm not sure that the punishment is fit for the crime, if that makes sense for a lot of, especially marijuana related. Hmm. I've, I've been hearing a lot about that. Yeah. Um, you know, like people getting thrown in jail for like a year or two because they mm-hmm. smoked weed and it's like, really? Like, wow. I, I mean, that seems pretty harsh. I don't know. That's just one example. Mm-hmm. I'm probably cherry picking. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. No, I've heard that. I just heard that on some, I don't know, some podcast. But I was like, whoa, like, that does sound extreme. But, I mean, again, like, if you, 10 years ago, probably not. But because it's so, like, normalized now and, mm. you know, we see these, you know, smoke shops everywhere. Like, it's it's just super normal. So, yeah, I think it's just part of the times. Right. Yeah, now we have CBD and. Um, yeah, I mean, it's everywhere. Like, it's. Yeah. I don't know if things are, like way worse now because it, we just went to Denver. So it's legal. It was the first place to make it legal uh, in Colorado. Sometimes we smelled um, some weed, which like wasn't like pleasant, but it wasn't any worse than a cigarette or a cigar. If I'm being honest. Um, I hate the smell of weed. Yeah. I hate I it. I never all. liked it. I especially, yeah, I don't like cigarette smoke. I get down with cigar smoke. I like it a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, cigar is a little bit different. It's usually flavored and yeah. stuff, but, um, People like like that weed smell. They're like, hmm, smell that. I'm like, you never been that way. Yeah. The the one other thing is um so with with drugs production of drugs I've I've also s- sort of heard the side that you know if you decriminalize it and you legalize it then you can make it safer because it would be produced in a commercial way right and that it could, has to meet commercial standards um, so there's much less sort of you know harm with it being laced or i don't know all sorts of sort of other crazy stuff that can happen so i see both sides i don't really know where i'm where i stand on it Hmm. it's not a major issue for me Hmm. education uh this is a big one but the the one for me i think that's that's the most interesting is college i think that's top of mind for a lot of people because there's the whole cancel student loans movement (laughs) and um uh, running the numbers, I'm pretty sure today that um, federal loans for college tuition is the largest portion of uh, like individual debt, like biggest category. Um, and it makes sense because college is incredibly expensive. Um, I think there was, yeah, I mean, I think the last year there was more than a million people that defaulted on their loans. Um, college prices are going up. They've they've kind of flatlined, actually. They've kind of plateaued. But, like, in the last 20 years, college prices have drastically increased. In the last 50 years, they have, like, you know, increased by, like, 100 times or something crazy like that, which is not in line with um, basically, like, the value that you're getting out of it. Um, and... My my thought on, on this is to restore more private lending for the government to get out of giving federal loans because it's basically like, hey, you want to go to college and mm-hmm. here you go, get yeah. in debt sixty grand a year, you which know, which is crazy. And they're like, cool, here's a loan for it, and there's nothing about you know, can you repay this? What major you're going to get? What sort of job? Like, 
what the terms are. People don't realize too with these loans, like it's not you're just it's not like taking out sixty grand a year. It's you're taking out sixty grand a year and then after a year you're starting to pay interest on that two hundred and forty thousand dollars you what just the, took out. What are the terms for these loans normally, do you know? Um, I'm not exactly sure, but I think most of them are like 10, 15, 20 year loans at I think anywhere between three and 10%, 10%, I believe. Uh, but like there's some really shady stuff in there too. Like people don't know what they're signing, you know, and like, uh, variable rates and sort of really, you know, compounding to like, you know, it it could be 5% interest. Um, but then like basically your payment just goes to paying off the interest or even less so your loan actually grows over time, right? You're not actually paying it off. You're just paying the interest off with your with your payments. Mm-hmm. So people get locked into paying, you know, a thousand, fifteen hundred bucks a month forever, essentially, or for fifty years, basically, because they can't. They have to make these big lump sum payments just to get the principal down. Um, I'm in favor of restoring private loans. I also think there's this really cool thing happening uh, that sort of the startup world is pioneering called income share agreements, where basically uh, the the school kind of fronts the tuition um, and then students would pay it back through a percentage of their income up to a certain percentage uh, or up to a certain amount or after a certain time. Um, and that means, you know, co- colleges and students are really aligned to their incentives because right now what's happening is that kids are taking on these crazy loans and then the college is like, cool, have fun, go finding a, a job when, with your philosophy major, you know, and it's like, oh, nice. Like this really did not help me at all. But with an income share agreement, the college would be, or the school, whatever it is, would be incentivized to find a job. That way um, the student would be able to repay them and they can, they can make money right off of it. So I I never considered uh, taking out a loan for college. Um, Me neither. But I've honestly never given any thought until just now. <laughs> I've been <mean>, honest. Like <laughs> what, when I say given a thought, like meaning like how would I respond to that payment? Yeah. But you just said someone borrowing 60 grand over what you said, five to 15 years, like approximately roughly. That's, I mean, well, I mean, I, they all vary, but like, I think the average general, student loan years. amount is 60 grand. There are some colleges that cost 60 grand a year. I mean, mm-hmm. you take out the full amount. There are some, yeah, you know, I feel like 60 are, grand is not, crazy expensive for four years. I mean, it's, that's a lot of money, but I'm saying right. for what colleges cost. Yeah. Right? No, but there years, are a lot that are 20, 60, 30 a year. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, 60 grand a year is also very common. Anyway, my point is, yeah. um, like put it in, into perspective. Like, so when we bought one of our businesses, uh, we never took out a loan, but we, uh, one of the owners like carried a note. So we kind of, we owed them money and we had to pay over two years and I won't say the amount, but, um, like thinking, so I we bought an asset that was bringing money in, right? And I was still nervous. Like I, I saw the numbers, I saw what they had done, I saw projections, I, I knew like what was possible. And on paper, it was like very, very, very impossible, right? It was like this makes sense kind of thing. But I was still nervous, and I still gave it so much thought, and like really yeah. almost didn't do it. And it's just crazy thing about like people who take out loans for over sixty grand. And have no idea how they're going to pay it back. It's like, no yo, idea. like I'm going to go to college and maybe get it. It's, it's crazy. And so when you think about it that way, like I had this, you know, cash producing asset on paper made sense. And I was still hesitant. And I think a lot of students like just um, because it's so normal. It's so like right. it's, it's accessible. The government hands it out and it's 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 normal. And so we do it. So I think what you're saying of making it a more like private lending solution. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Right. Down. I mean, and this goes back to, I mean, I think one of the reasons why college is so expensive is because of the federal loans that are being handed mm-hmm. out to kids. So the college is college like, doing great. Work and, well, you know, like the kids are going to take out a whole bunch of money because yeah. they're being given these big old federal loans. So why don't we make college 30 grand a year instead of three grand a mm-hmm. year? And there's a huge amount of abuse that happens from, from colleges. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't list all the stats, you know, but there are, I saw stats like, uh, the number of administrators in a college has um, like tripled, um, even though like the, the number of students has stayed the same, you know, per college, uh, like um, teacher, but especially like staff basically in, in a college and in a university salaries have like 
quadrupled while uh, you know the number of students has stayed flat, but also the college cost has gone up by you know ten times. So why is that, mm-hmm. right? Um, anyways, a lot of misalignment there. So I'm all for less government involvement and less loans for for people going to college. The environment. Let's battle. <laughs> yeah, I think you're gonna. <laughs> no, be kind I don't of know. A, yeah, okay. Um, there, I don't really know what the issues are at hand. There was one. Uh, so Gavin Newsom, yeah, governor of California, he just, I think that he said that he wanted to outlaw oil or or gas based vehicles. Was it by 2035? Yeah. So in 15 years. So he's banning the the production of new the production and sale of new vehicles that are gas powered. Is that what it is? Yeah. So okay. basically, you can still I think you can still like uh, buy them from like private dealers and mm. yeah, but you can't produce and sell new vehicles of that type. Yeah, that's a law. I feel like that's pretty lame. Good. Personally, I don't really care because I'm much more like. I think that by that time, like probably most vehicles be like hybrid and or electric anyways, just with the way that things are going and we're all going to be driving Teslas. And um. <laughs> I think we're going to have an interesting debate here because yeah. so Corey's coming from like the perspective of you work from home, you're in a tech space yeah. and like that's yeah. kind of your world. Um, I'm from the side of like we have two companies now that are both very like just uh, logistical. Like we have trucks and we deliver yep. from point A to point B. And so, um, like that's my side of things, but yeah. continue. No, but I think it's absolutely nuts that a government official is banning a certain type of vehicle because they think that it has some sort of impact on the environment. Like those are real companies. They're they're called GM and Toyota and Honda and uh, Ford. You know, like cool. You just California is like one of the biggest states. Uh, lots of travel going up between it's a it's a very large state there's tons of people here and you're gonna outlaw a certain type of vehicle like mm-hmm. that doesn't make any sense if anything it should be favoritism like i would i'd be like cool are gavin newsom and elon musk friends because this is a little bit weird so to give it like insight from someone that's kind of in this so we i've been looking to get a new like new box truck and the one that i want the type that i want um so before this new like, regulation came out, whatever, before this, I'm not sure what it was, but there's a certain type of like diesel vehicle or some kind of truck you couldn't buy mm. or like there was some crazy regulation or restriction on it. I forget what it was. But basically what that meant for me was the kind of vehicle that I needed, my best case scenario was a vehicle with over 200,000 miles on it used and like the the lowest price I ever found was like $45,000. Wow. And think about that. A used box truck with it's like that's not gonna last me very long that was like my best case scenario and the reason why was because the um there's like this whole other type of vehicle i forget the kind and whatever but that we're selling for super low but because by i think by 20 like 23 whatever they're gonna be uh, uh, banned as well be out. and so it was some kind of engine hmm. and so it's created this like supply and demand so now that this this type that everyone needs people have jacked up the prices and so like and it's kind of screwed me like what do i do like i really need yeah, this crazy I, how do i how do i operate this moving business when i can't get what i need for the right price and so mm. that's that's how it affects like the average person like me like what do you what do you do you know yeah. so for you it's easy to say oh you know it's not gonna be a problem but for me it's like whoa totally I, I see it you know yeah here's the thing i i have no idea what the solution is um i do think that we'll figure it out regardless but um, what I don't understand is sort of being against um, clean energy, whatever you want to call it, like re- renewable energy, sustainable energy. Yeah. Um, I think like what's what would be better and ideal is everything was electric uh, or if it was on a really clean, like I've actually heard good things. Like I know that there's a certain type of even diesel that's like super efficient mm-hmm. and super sort of clean, quote unquote, for the environment. Um, but I, for them, so in a nutshell, I think there should be incentives, probably government incentives for choosing those types of vehicles. Yeah. I don't think there there should be like, 
we shouldn't be like limited to like not getting the other alternative. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. Like, we should really get what we want, and it should all be like a free market. But you're incentivized to get the you know. Yeah, I mean, if environmental if, friendly, and if the government wants to emission, give some grants or yeah. some tax breaks to companies who produce more uh, energy efficient or electric vehicles or, or whatever it is, like that's great. But then, like, let the companies who build those decide, you know, what they produce, how they create it, how much to charge for it, etc. But don't outlaw the the sale and production of certain types of vehicles, like basically. Let it happen naturally, if anything. You know what I mean? Like, stack the odds in your favor to get what you want. Because now, you know, there's these crazy scenarios. Like, you mm-hmm. can't even find a vehicle to operate your, your business, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's 200,000 miles. It's crazy. That's it's a, I mean, insane. I'd be like, that was, like, a very reasonable, like, estimation of what I'm looking at. Can like, you even expect it f- to run for another yeah, couple of years? There are like, more that are, like, way more extreme than that. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. So, uh, as all, th- we're talking very specifically about vehicles as a whole i'm all for solar electric nuclear energy i don't really have a dog or a bone to pick with um with oil and gas i think that it's a little bit overblown and it's not really the evil that we should be fighting but i can also agree with the other side like oh let's get Mm -hmm. more solar let's get more electric let's get more nuclear but not in a way that restricts businesses or that outlaws certain types of uh, uses of energy. I would agree. Cool. Let's talk about spending. Um, this is a juicy one and, uh, I have lots of notes on this one, so I'm curious to hear what you think. One of, um, I'm not, you know, when Trump first got in office, one of his big things was tax cuts and a revised, uh, tax bracket system. I'm not sure what his stance is now, if there's anything new there, but I do know for Biden that one of his big things is uh, increased taxes for certain uh, higher tiers of the brackets, right? Do you know anything? Do you know more specifics? Yeah, something over, I want to say anyone that makes over 400000 a year gets okay. raised. Yeah. Um, I've actually seen some interesting things like uh, 50 Cent sort of like endorsing Trump and like, saying that Biden's crazy for wanting to hike taxes and stuff. Um, The issue at hand is spending, not necessarily taxes. So uh, we'll start there. But I think that it's a huge problem um, and that there's tons and tons of waste and that the government has proven that they cannot efficiently or responsibly handle money. So we should not give them more money and we should try to figure out how to get them to spend less money. Um, so I do not, I think, I mean, honestly, if I was, if I was president tomorrow or if I was, you know, if I was like leader of the Senate and I had the ability to reform the tax code, I would honestly get rid of 90% of the taxes. I think I would go to like a really flat 10% across the board or even just get rid of income and income tax altogether and do more of like a estate tax the end of your life possibly yeah i think that i mean if you do that then you have to privatize like more you know sectors that the government currently does like roads and you know so many so many things so i think that well i don't know well i mean okay well okay. respond what yeah, do you yeah, think? yeah, yeah. Okay. how do you not know okay with if you're saying make taxes 10 percent across the board then how are they going to continue f- continue funding all these crazy get rid of a bunch of crazy waste dude i mean okay let me, um, I don't know if you looked at them before, but uh, there's a couple of sites you can actually go and look and like see how the government spends money and, and what they're on. There's a couple of like really big buckets where it's like, wow, if we just got rid of this or, or minimized it, like we wouldn't need as much money to function and we, it's pretty obvious why. Okay, so in 2016, this is the last time that this survey was run, um, the total revenue for the government was $5.1 trillion, uh, and that includes local, state, and federal government. The total spending in 2016 was $5.9 So there was a, a $8 billion deficit, which honestly isn't terrible. Now, let me, let me show you the, um, the, the four big buckets are basically, let me go over here. No, done. Hold on, sorry. This website's kind of wacky. Here we go. Okay. 
uh, huge amount of the money spent on the government is on education, um, what, what's categorized as wealth and savings, so Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, government retirement programs, and housing support. Uh, and another huge one is um, basically welfare. So you know, okay, I w- one that I just said a minute ago was get rid of or reduce the amount of government program spending. So yeah. But you, you called them wastes, but you meant the same thing, it sounds like. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Another big one, actually, is national defense and is the military, um, which, if, I mean, if you think about Beef it. Beef it up. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't know. That I think that's where I would I would maybe disagree. I, I, think uh, I don't understand. one area that you can justify. Why, though? Because it's our defense. Yeah, but should we spend more and more money on it every year? I'm not saying we should. I'm saying that is the one box that you could justify. And the reason is because it's our defense. I mean, it's... Yeah. If it's... So there's no military. If it's if it's, yeah, but kind of one of those things like you got to be ready when you're needed. So, you know, you can't... What's a good analogy? I mean, you can't... You can run a marathon. You can't train for the marathon the day you find out you're running, right? You got to be prepared and ready to go. So... Yeah. Same deal. If we go to war, like, yeah, we have to be, you know, have our weapons developed and the uh you know military members stocked up what they need and whatnot right you can't just Mm -hmm. i i agree to a certain degree because um if there's anything to cut i probably wouldn't cut that because government spending on the military in actuality is mostly contracts to private companies anyways you know it's like research and development and buying ships and planes and vehicles and uh producing things basically so like it's it's already in circulation in the economy and it's it's money being put back into the economy anyways um the first thing he said though was uh you know how do we like build our roads and bridges and stuff like that this is this is mainly federal spending the now i know that the the numbers i was quoting were local state and government but the i think it's about 80% of the spending was on a a federal level for those categories um not a huge part of of the state budget but take things like education public school system like i would say not uh uh, in a short term easily privatized but long term easily privatized like very easily social security like honestly who depends on social security to retire i don't know why would you do that it's just is it even realistic? I don't think so. I'm pretty sure we like spent all the money we had put away for social security anyways. Medicare and Medicaid, this gets into healthcare. They're already huge buckets. Healthcare is still crazy expensive. We'll get to healthcare in a second. All that to say, we could go through all of the um all the details there, but I think there's an enormous amount of waste. Like probably realistically I also think about the number of employees and mm-hmm. sort of like administrative costs of offices. And I mean, you've gotten government contracts to you before, like mm-hmm. the things that the government spends money on. It's crazy. Yeah. I think realistically that uh, the government spending could be cut in half and taxes could be cut in half too. I'm all for it. Cool. We couldn't be more aligned. <laughs> I love it, dude. I Honestly, it's not that it would fix everything, but I think that, uh, drastically lowering taxes would make an insane impact on on the U.S. Like, imagine how much money people would have to spend, invest mm-hmm. in themselves, pay for other things, put back into the economy, invest. Like, where do I mean? Uh, we're not neither of us are in like super high tax brackets. Speak for yourself, Bob. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> But even I remember getting my first paycheck from the bonds. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> and being like, what the? Where is this money going to? Like, have you seen that video of that kid that gets his first paycheck yeah, in the car? Yeah, it's so yeah. funny. And he's like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Anyways. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, there's all, I mean, people have looked, there as identified waste. Um, secondly, uh, I think that the, the military could be made more efficient. I'm not saying reduce it, but I think it could be more efficient. Um, 
social programs definitely uh yeah the the tax cuts okay i just wanted to, to bring up sort of the other side and just also paint a picture of sort of how we got here as well um but there we we're sort of in a, a similar i guess like issue after world war ii when basically this was like the first time that people really it was like the first huge government uh budget deficit where there was like People were freaking out, like, oh, my gosh, we're never going to be able to pay this off. Um, similar to today, right? It was like, our kids are going to be paying this off for generations. Like, what do we do about this? Um, and uh, I'm reading this guy named Morgan Housel. Uh, I just read his book called The Psychology of Money. It's really good, actually. Um, and he's sort of a economist, uh, investor. And this was his take on the current sort of spending. Or I shouldn't say the current spending, but the current debt that uh that the government holds and he says that one we won't ever pay it off two that's fine and three um that basically he'll, he'll tell us how we'll end up making it not a problem anymore anyways um and so basically what happened was that in world war ii we financed everything through debt in order to get through the war right because it was kind of like a do or die situation people freaked out about it um and then over time, what we did was we actually uh, outspent our own debt. So through two things, through inflation and through GDP or basically economic growth, the debt was actually minimized, right? So over the last 80 years, the debt doesn't matter anymore because one, um, through inflation now, th like the, the amount of money like is insignificant, right? Because Back then, a hamburger was a dollar. Now, hamburgers are $10. Therefore, the debt you know, that someone had is no longer that relevant. But also, the GDP growth means that there's more tax revenue. There's more sort of income for the government. And uh, basically, that the economy can sort of lift you out of debt. It's not, it's not linear like a person where you're like, oh, I make 50000 and then 60000 and then 70000 and then 80000 And then you sort of coast, you know, for about... 30 years and maybe get to 90,000 at the end and all that time you're paying off the debt with the government one it's not a person so it's sort of infinite but also uh it can be 50,000 60,000 80,000 200,000 a million dollars like you you think about it if you had a million dollars a year right then like any debt that you had when you were 20 it wouldn't matter anymore no matter how much it was it would just be like cool I can pay off any of this right so that was his take so what do we do with that information? One, it makes me think I'm not worried about the amount of debt that we have right now. Cause I do think that he has a good point. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that we shouldn't keep adding on more debt unnecessarily. And that's what needs to change. That's fascinating. I, I was reading through as you were talking. Um, it makes sense though. Um, it's different how like, uh, one of the lines I read was uh, for like a person, um, like an individual, like there, there's a lifespan f for people. So right. the, the debt has to have an end date, but for a country or co even a co like an organization or a company, um, like not so much because they can just continue. So yeah, and all that makes sense. And it is kind of simple. If you think about it, um, basically growth has to uh, outpace your debt every year. Mm -hmm. And there's such long time frames, like, uh, one, you know, one thing he points out is that you can pay down debt with more debt, mm -hmm. which is also something that you can't do. Right? Like I can't pay my credit card statement with another credit card. Um, but with a, a country, you can do that. Uh, but also it's such long time horizons that again, in a hundred years, like mm -hmm. our $20 trillion in debt, even though that seems crazy, could be insignificant yeah. without making a negative impact on the economy mm -hmm. or, or repaying it. Right. Um, so anyways, I think that there's a lot, uh, a lot in there. And so segueing into our next section, which is welfare, I think this is one of the big kind of causes of the debt, but again, a little history lesson, president Lyndon B. Johnson launched his war on poverty in the 1960s and his pledge was to eliminate poverty. Obviously that has not happened. Um, but what we did get later or what we did get was a bunch of debt and basically a system that is incentivizing a lot of abuse. Um, even though we, you and I may not see it, I'm sure other people have seen it and we know statistically that it's there. Um, 
Currently, the U.S. spends about a trillion dollars a year on over 90 different federal, state, and local welfare programs, um, yet 12% of Americans are still considered poor. Basically, I mean, this whole thing, I think, with our current welfare system is it's completely broken, and it's been untouched for a long time. A trillion dollars a year. I mean, think about the the, the stats that I that I mentioned earlier. Imagine that trillion dollars being a hundred billion, right? We just knocked off ninety billion dollars, and we probably wouldn't see a difference, right? We could replace it with a lot of other, uh, you know. Imagine if there were government. It's so much money. <laughs> yeah, government. Uh, maybe like you know, tax incentives or grants um, or tax breaks for businesses or organizations who took the place of one of these welfare programs. Um, instead of like running the welfare program itself, just handing out money to people or providing the services or, or whatever it is. Um, you know, the, the big ones are food and housing, unemployment, um, and sort of assistance or aid, you know, for single parents, uh, people below poverty line, um, uh, people with disabilities, things like that. I mean, there are, there are very realistic ways to fix this. Now, the question is, are people trying to fix it? I honestly don't know. I couldn't tell you if either Biden or Trump have real solutions to it. And also the fact is that it's probably less of a federal issue than it is a state and local issue, or at least it should be. Yeah. yeah I didn't know the numbers were that high, but man, do we, do we know how many Americans are on welfare? Uh, no, I don't know. I, I know the stat is somewhere. I'd have to go it's dig out and there. find okay. it. I'm just curious. I, I believe that, well, you can kind of do the math a little bit, but um, the stat is that around 12% of Americans are still considered poor. You know, they're under the, the poverty line. So they, they could be eligible. I would assume that maybe a minority fraction of that, you know, there are tens of millions, I believe. Okay. Just curious. Yeah. Okay. Last issue, ladies and gents, thanks for sticking with us. Yeah. Um, it's important stuff, though. Election integrity. I'm curious what your thoughts are on this one, too. But uh, sort of the, the two different sides here are who should be able to vote and, and how, essentially. Um, now, my take is that it's. I think it's crazy that it's not a more modern... Um, system that checks for your for who you are and your identity uh, even in canada people people have to use their id in order to vote here in the united states you don't really have to um but some people say that it's a right and that anyone and everyone should vote uh and that we should use these really outdated things called ballots which are on paper i also think that's crazy still um but I think one of the really interest, interesting things was I do think this is actually a really big issue because the National Commission on Federal Election Reform said that in many close elections, fraud can absolutely change the outcome. And they actually overturned outcomes in New Jersey, Indiana, uh, and a few other states within the last two years. So, like, literally, it was a complete shift of, like, you won. No, wait, there was fraud. You won, right? So it can, like, completely That's flip, so crazy, right? yeah. Even think about something like a presidential election. Most of the time, I mean, it's it's close. It's forty-eight fifty-two or forty-one fifty-one or forty-nine fifty-one. It's it's fifty-fifty, right? Mm -hmm. And you have things like the electoral college, where that determines how many votes that state gets, and that can be swung by mm -hmm. even just uh, a couple thousand votes, right? People can uh, can abuse the system by impersonating. Um, they can vote in multiple locations. They can vote even though they're not eligible because they're felons or they're non-citizens. Um, and they can also basically create ways to uh, remove votes. <laughs> I don't know if you actually saw it. It was found that there was like a bunch of uh, Republican, I forget what it was, but it's basically like the Republican Party was placing like fake ballot drop points and then like, taking them and like throwing them in the trash for really? like Democrat areas. Yeah, it was pretty messed up. Crazy. Um, anyways, Republicans, I, I know idiots. No, I, th 
I don't really think that this is a political issue. I think that everyone can agree that we, we need more election integrity. And the only way we're going to do that is if you can vote using, you have to vote using your ID. It's through a place or a, a method that isn't going to be lost or thrown away. AKA I think we should do it online. Um, and one of the other things I think is really interesting is opt in versus opt out right now. You have to be registered to vote because we don't have the system of, uh, sort of by ID. Right. So that's kind of like their like stopgap or their solution to that. I think everyone, you shouldn't have to register to vote. I still don't understand what they, yeah, that's weird. um, but I think that those, big, those three things would really help is government issued IDs. That is the way that you vote. Yeah. Only people with IDs vote. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. Um, but when this comes out, it'll be no- November 3rd, so that's the weird part. <sighs> but being two weeks out, um, like thinking of the election being overturned, like, you know, starting one way, ending another way is... Oh, it's crazy. Excuse me. Um, yeah, it's crazy. But Yeah. I Again, I, I really don't... I think this is one of those black and white issues. Like, I don't understand the, the other side, quote-unquote. People saying illegal aliens, non-citizens, um, felons. I'm like, why, why would you want those people to vote? I understand. I don't understand. Like mm-hmm. you should have to vote or you should only be able to vote if you have an ID and everyone with an ID should not have to opt Registry, in. Yeah. They should just be, Shop Hey, vote. where's your vote? Or, you know, yeah, uh, I would agree with that. Log in and vote. Like it should, why is it so hard? You have to go mail in your ballot or you have to, register and anyone and everyone can it's like dude it's crazy mm-hmm. i wonder if by the next election it'll be different i, I feel like after this one because it's going to be be bananas i think and so <laughs> i think the next one is going to be different i hope so it could be online why Why do you think the next one well i i mean i don't know we'll be surprised i'll be surprised if this goes smoothly and whatever but i feel like this will be the most um like what debated, like analyzed. Mm. Um, you mean like who's voting and like how many votes? Which per is the outcome? Like oh, I, I think depending outcome, on yeah. what ha- unless it's like a clear landslide, which it's not going to be. So I think that uh, there's gonna be a lot of scrutiny and people, you know, looking into things and analyzing and researching, detect all this stuff. So yeah, I feel like this would be the time or the 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 time to propel like a change in how it's done. I sure yeah. hope so, and I sure hope we can all agree on that. All right. Wow. Woo! We did it. Yay. I mean, if there's anything to spend a lot of time on, it's that. So no apologies for going late. Thanks for sticking with us. Go vote if you haven't already. And um, we'll see you in the next Adios. episode. Adios.